0: The <laughs> Welcome to Racket Fuel, where we launch into great conversations and share powerful tools to help you become a stronger Rackets leader. Your hosts are Kim Bastable, a former All American tennis player and now the Director of Tennis Management at the University of Florida, and Simon Gale, the USTA National Campus Director of Racket Sports. In this episode, we continue an inspiring discussion about how to be intentional and purposeful as we develop leadership skills. Our guest again is author and speaker Alastair McCall, who travels the world working with athletes and leaders, helping them. To achieve and to inspire. Now, here's Kim and Simon.
1: We welcome back today, Alistair McCall. We're very thankful he's here for a second episode. He's the author of "Lead with Purpose," "Make an Impact," as well as many other books. We'll have a continued discussion today on leadership in the tennis and rackets industry. Alistair believes excellence is an attitude, and he's worked with countless excellent teams and workplaces, including the NCAA, Duke University. Auburn University, LSU, SMU, and football clubs around the world, as well as Formula One teams. If you didn't hear his full background, be sure to tune in to our previous episode. It's an impressive list of accomplishments and uh, consultants, consulting positions he's had, coaching as well in the, in the world of tennis. So please go back and listen. And Alistair, help listeners know where they can find more about you and find your books and your podcast.
2: Oh, thanks so much, Simon and Kim. It's good to be back. Um, yeah, uh, all the books are on, on Amazon, so that's pretty simple. Uh, and Audible as well. If you're not a big book reader, you can always listen to them. Uh, and then I'm a massive Twitter person as well. So you know, Twitter. I love Twitter. I interact with a lot of people there as well. I share a lot there. Um, and then Instagram at be champion minded. So those are probably the best places. And, and as you mentioned, my podcast, uh, the Alistair McCall podcast. I've been very, very uh, poor in the last 6 or 8 months with with uh with having episodes as you guys know it's it's a lot of work it's a lot of time so i have a lot of respect for for all of you who put so much time and effort into the podcast but um but yeah hopefully be able to to do a few more soon
1: well that that's great i know that our listeners will seek out all those avenues uh in your book habits that make a champion in particular you say that becoming a high performer doesn't happen overnight or by accident. It takes years of dedication, hard work, and discipline. Champions prepare, plan, prepare, think, behave, and compete. We know this for sport, but maybe we don't know it for leadership. Can you apply that to the high impact leader trying to create a successful environment?
2: Yeah. Um, so as as we spoke about in in the first episode that we did as well, I always believe that's important that you have as much experience as you can in in many different areas, in many different uh, positions, so to say. So, you know, I believe it's more important to have 20 experiences in one year than it is to have one experience in 20 years. And I have a lot of admiration for somebody that's been in in one position for, you know, one company for 25, 30 years, that's called loyalty. But what we've seen in this generation today is that they want more variety. And this is something that we can get into with what what today's generation looks for in in, in leadership and and team cultures, for example. But um, I think something that benefited me a lot at a young age was doing a lot of different jobs, being in a lot of different positions, um, seeing it from so many different angles, and that's what helped me, especially actually in the tennis industry, of getting, uh, you know, getting to work with world number ones and 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 Grand Slam champions. Was uh, I had you know I had a a background in nutrition, I had a background in sports performance, I also had my coaching uh, license as well, so I had all these things that. I wanted to make myself valuable to the player in so many different areas, and I didn't go to college. I didn't have a university degree or whatever. I just had what they called was work ethic, and and getting and knowing what a player would need, for example. But that that that's one area. That's working with a player. But my my point there is getting as much experience as you can in, in many different positions, even volunteering for for example. Um, volunteering is one of the best things that you can do. I still volunteer today at a soup kitchen here in in Florida for homeless people, which is my best day of the week, to be honest, of how I feel after I walk out of there. But, you know, creating a a culture of excellence, Kim, is, of course, defining what that culture should look like. So you have to have a, a clarity on, you know, what does that culture look like? And, you know, how do you do that is use examples of Uh, you know, places where it's working well, or or an academy or a country club where there's a good culture, we'll go spend some time and have a coffee with the director if you can. And, uh, you know, today, it's easier to contact and get in touch with people a lot lot more than it was, and and ask questions of what's working here, how did you go about that, for example, I I believe that we don't ask enough questions. And then, of course, when you define the culture you want, it makes it easier to, to find the right people because you want to have people that fit that culture. And within that culture, are your standards, your values, your principles, your, your mission, all these things. And, but once you've defined that, it's easier to get the right people in your team. You know, It's not about getting the best people, it's about getting the right people uh, for your team.
1: I, I love the questions part because I do feel that certain people think once you reach a leadership perspective, you're supposed to know all the answers. And you're fearful of asking questions because you look like you don't know all the answers. So how does, how did, is that something that's just one of those, you've just got to realize it's okay that you, 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 you have to admit, you know, ask, I mean, seek and and don't feel like it's all supposed to be inside you.
2: Absolutely. I I get it. I get it quite a lot as well, Kim. You know, I'll get my inbox on Twitter or Instagram questions from young coaches or, or, or teenagers, for example, uh, asking how I got into what I do, for example, that's where it starts. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You don't get a reply back, but. You know sometimes I might, I might miss it because' there's, there's multiple messages there, for example, but um, there are people out there that are willing to reach out, uh, good club direct, good club directors, good academy directors, great coaches, pros, etc. You just need to ask um, that's how you grow quicker, that's how you develop quicker is you you, you know one of the best qualities you can have is is uh, not having a fear of rejection. Um, you know, there could be doors closed, but keep knocking on other doors, you know it can happen. So what if you got turned down nine times for that, that position that you wanted? Maybe the 10th time it might happen. We all know that, that Colonel Sanders' uh, famous KFC recipe was turned down more than 700 times. You know that J.K. Rowling was turned down by, by 28 publishing companies. Walt Disney was told he wasn't creative enough. Uh, there's so many examples of, of, you know, like I said, knock doors, ask questions. Uh, social media has made it easier than ever to get in touch with these great leaders and club directors,
3: for example. Yeah, it's a great, great point, Alastair, and, and something that we try and encourage uh, within our team is, you know, we have a very diverse team, and we we cover all ranges from 20s through 60s in terms of generational differences. And there's a tremendous amount of leadership experience in most facilities that I always encourage the younger pros to say, "Can I take you out for lunch?" or breakfast, you know, it's a cheap way to get a wealth of information from people who who are more than willing generally to, to pay it forward. It's kind of part of our industry's culture is that there is a pay it forward mentality for the most part. So um, it ties in with my next question which is this concept of kind of leading at every level that you talk about and as you move through your career path, you know, there's opportunities to learn to lead whether you have a title or not, there's opportunities. So when you look at the tennis coach's pathway, or the pathway to leadership, we tend to have a very simple career path, which is I'm a staff pro or entry-level pro, full-time teaching professional. The next step is perhaps head professional, and then I become a director. I could be stuck in that entry-level or teaching professional role for 10, 15 years before I reach that next level, depending on, on my opportunities and my growth. So with that l- limited promotional opportunity, Talk a little bit about how, as you evolve, you can learn to lead along the way before you get to that 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 leadership title.
2: Yeah, Uh, you know we're all leaders as as you just mentioned there because the first person we have to lead is ourselves, and we can't lead others if we don't lead ourselves effectively. Now, does that mean it's perfect all the time? Absolutely not. Uh, You know, as I mentioned in our in our first um, our first part. Uh, you know, we make mistakes every day and that's fine as long as we're, we're, we're learning from those mistakes. But I think something that I try to pass on to the younger generation, those younger coaches, those younger pros that want to climb the ladder, so to say, is you're cheating the process if you're not, uh, going through the, the levels and the stages and spending years in that now, you know, jumping from, uh, trying to leapfrog, uh, uh, you know you're cheating yourself in terms of all those experiences and what you're going to learn along the way for example um you know you know especially with, with today's generation you know they they there's studies that show that they just want to go from you know from college to being the, the the vice the vice president of a company or a ceo and those are great ambitions and if you want to be a, a club director that's a fantastic ambition but you know uh, don't cheat the process by trying to skip the stages that are important to learn along the way of being an assistant pro and then being a pro and then being you know whatever it may be part time full time those stages for example um, because that's where you learn the most uh, along the way because if you're if you're leapfrogging or jumping ahead you're 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 missing out on all those things that are important to make you uh, a better leader for example so uh, again there's so many areas that that we can learn to be better leaders uh ex, there's examples of of good leaders that we can look at like we just spoke about club directors or, or academy directors for example um but i think just that learning process and those years of you know so to say and i know some of you who you, you know are listening to this just on audio i put my hands up and say air quotes of um uh, of, uh, of 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 not cheating
3: cheating the process so that's the the best way i, I like to put it Yeah, you know, i think then that the role of our current leadership is to facilitate putting them in opportunities to grow, even if it's as director instead of leading four courts on my own all the time, because I'm the, the director, how do I empower my younger pros to have opportunities to lead those four courts and develop leadership roles and, and demonstration skills and so on that are critical to being a successful leader, at least on a on the court point of view. So I think it's that pay it forward mentality that continues to to need to be part of your leadership philosophy, so it kind of leads into my next question, which is uh, Kim's done quite a bit of research on this, and 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 it's a well-known fact in in the teaching profession that about forty percent of our certified pros are over the age of sixty, and over the next ten years or so, just through retirement or aging out of teaching, we're going to lose a lot of people, and we're going to have a big void to fill, and and. Kim talks to this that we might lose up to a thousand directors and head pros over those ten years that's a massive void to fill and and are we equipped with the the pipeline being fed to 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 fill these vacated roles and one of the things we talk about is that the kind of Gen Y and Gen Z group, which you, you referred to a little bit today, they're going to be a big part of that leadership moving forward and so skipping stages and so on might be something that happens naturally because these leadership roles need to be filled. Maybe that's a great thing for the industry. It's an injection of youth and new ideas and so on, but what what are your thoughts on on, on, on that generation filling this void maybe in some respects a little bit early because some of them might not be quite ready or maybe they are, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, we've seen how leadership has changed over the years,
2: you know, from autocratic uh, type of leadership now to more of a transformational leadership or democratic, if if you want to call it. But what excites me about this generation more is that they're willing to work in a team environment uh, easier than the generations before. So um, there is going to be more collaboration, I believe. Uh, when there's when there's a generation that's willing to work together, there's going to be a better chemistry. So there's so many positives we can take away moving forward. However, we it is our responsibility of of uh, experienced leaders, if we want to call it that, uh, of those in their 40s, 50s, 60s, um, of passing on our knowledge and our experience and our tools. And uh, you know, I, I like to to share which I didn't always, my failures of where I've gone wrong in, in, in my, uh, my career as well. And I, again, that's, that's where people connect with you the most is with your imperfections, not your, not your perfections. So it, it is an exciting time. And, and you know, re- regardless of what age you are, uh, you know, evolving is an attitude. It's a mindset in terms of staying relevant. Uh, you know, I always say to coaches, regardless of what age you, you are, you should. Know what TikTok is and what what music teenagers are listening to, and so on and so forth. If you're working with them um, to stay relevant, because as we know, eighty percent of coaching is actually the personal connection. It's not it's not the it's not the actual uh, activity you're doing. It's the personal connection. Um, you know, our, our students come back to, back to see us, not just to learn a game. They come to see us. Always like to say they come to see you for your energy more than your exercises. Uh, so yeah answering your question simon this this is an exciting generation uh however, the older generation or more experienced generation we need to stay relevant. we need to to keep evolving by understanding them better. that's again why um you know I believe the two most important areas to invest in are your emotional intelligence and the generational codes uh, because that is a key area is to understand the generation and the person that's in front of you, and that's just one more thing is that if you do want to climb the ladder, or someone says, well, how did you get to, to be a club director or lead pro, whatever it may be? My simple answer is, I took care of the people that were in front of me to the best of my ability. Uh, when you do that, that's the process. The rest take care of itself. Um, is, is Take care of the, the client, the customer, the player in front of you right now to the best of your ability, your staff member, for example. That's how you move ahead.
3: Yeah, and I would just respond to that with I look at the young pros that I work with now and have in the past, and, and I agree it's a tremendously exciting time of transition that's going to that's gonna happen. And I, I think similar to when you, when you were coaching full time, when a student came back to you 10, 15 years later, which just means you were getting older as a coach, it was so gratifying for them to, to, or to hear them say, I, I did this, or I still love playing tennis. I love when you used to do this drill or taught me this. Well, as a leader, seeing these young pros evolve and then end up in these leadership roles, if that doesn't get you going as a leader and satisfy you and say, wow, I've really had an impact on someone, then maybe you shouldn't be in a leadership role because that's just so satisfying to see them evolve and become become that next leader. So um, yeah, I really agree with what you said. Thank you.
1: You know, I love that because as, as Alistair's talking and we're talking about the young people and what they can bring, they're, the The fact that they love to work in teams and and maybe some energy and creativity. I'm actually saying to myself, maybe Rackets is going to be in a really great place. That we have the older generation aging out into some level of a a lot, a lot of them leaving. Uh, you know, a thousand to fifteen hundred maybe in the next ten years. And if we can get the young energy inside our industry, maybe ahead of the game. So I don't know if that's a bad thing. That if we can mentor them well and give them what they need. Uh, to really sur- thrive, there's going to be a lot of openings, and that may make us appealing as an industry. Does that sound like crazy logic, or does that make sense?
2: Ab- absolutely, and this is why it's so important to to keep evolving, to keep learning, to keep growing, to keep adapting, to stay curious, regardless of what age you are, and to understand that this generation or these generations have different needs to what we ha- had in the workplace. Again. What was important for us was loyalty. How long have you been at a certain place that was seen as, as, as trust and loyalty as where this generation today uh, are wanting new experiences even after three years, four years, for example. Um, we need to understand of how we can best facilitate them, what they look for in, in, in an environment. I always say that you know, uh, uh, it, it's important more to, uh, you know communication is 80% listening. And this is something I, I, I believe we fail as coaches and leaders and managers is we don't listen enough as into what they want. Now, you know, there's this thing that we believe this generation is entitled and they're lazy and so on and so forth, which is absolutely not true. Uh, I, I believe the biggest issue is we need to understand them better what they want from the work environment, what's important for them in the work environment, and we need to facilitate that to the best of our ability.
1: Very good. So. That's That's what I think we need to do um, as leaders is and to make sure that we can hire well. And one of the tricky things, I guess, from that would be the idea of growth mindset. It's a term we've talked about. It's kind of getting catchy, and people talk about what what is it and how do you find it in the people that you're looking for? because I know it's valuable. So why don't you give your take on growth mindset?
2: Yeah, of course, this is something that was uh, you know brought to the fore by by dr. Carol Dweck from from Stanford. And it's been a I don't like to call it a, a buzzword for the last few years, but for me it's two simple things it's being more open-minded and it's being curious and And those two things with being open-minded is the ability to listen better to be to be coachable um, uh, to to you know when I talk about curiosity is is there a better way of doing this and this is something I've seen in great cultures is how can we do this better That's the question that they ask so they always keep evolving and it's You know, I'm sure you've seen that that picture that that goes around social media sometimes is, um, you know, be wary of a culture where they say that's the way things have always been done here. If you're still stuck on that mindset or that philosophy, then you're not going to be progressing and you're not going to attract good young people and good young coaches to your to your academy or your uh, facility, for example, if you're still stuck on that mindset of, well, this is the way we've always done things here. but yeah, uh, growth-minded. Uh, again, it's a subject that we could talk talk for hours on. But for me, it's about being open-minded. It's about um, uh, changing your relationship with failure. Uh, in terms of of failing, is you know, failing is not the opposite of success. It's a part of success. Is that anyone who's who's achieved great things in athletics, in corporate, whatever, has gone through multiple failures. So. The sooner you can change your relationship with failure and see it in a good way, of course, we don't like to fail. Of course, it's it's uncomfortable. Um, it's embarrassing sometimes, whatever, but that's how we learn. So for me, growth minded would, would go around those those few things.
1: That's an excellent. I love that. I don't know that I'd heard that before either, but failure is not the opposite of success. It's a part of success. That's a great takeaway. Not not my quote, uh, but. I read
3: it somewhere and thought, well, that that really does make sense. So I wanted to talk about people a little bit more, Alastair, and, and, and finding the right people. So as a leader, you're quite often involved in the hiring process, if not 100 percent involved in the hiring process, and it's a great responsibility. Um, we all know one wrong hire can damage a culture very quickly. So you know the challenge of surrounding yourself with with people who will invest in your values or believe in them and your beliefs and help cultivate the culture you're striving for um, is critical. So what are some of the mistakes leaders make around this concept? Uh, rushing the
2: process uh, too quickly, and, and I get it because, uh, you know, we have, we have uh, uh, you know, clients, we have um, members who, who need their lessons and now we're o- overworking some of the coaches because we don't have enough staff, for example. Uh, but the worst mistake you can make is is rushing a decision on who you're going to who to, you're going to recruit or employ. Um, so you know what are some of the things that we can help that? And this is where I get back to saying that it's better to have um, you know a, a resume or a, or a background of of uh, experiences, positive experiences, for example. I always say to to people, no matter what's happened, and it's not always the easiest thing, but always leave somewhere. Um, in, on a good way, even if there was a disagreement or you know you just didn 't align with them, for example, you can always leave in a good manner because that 's going to affect you moving on it 's a as we know it can be a small industry that we get to know other uh coaches and we get to know other other facilities for example, so it can become a small world so um yeah so th- th- I would say the biggest mistake is rushing the process because i get I get it uh we're understaffed. we 're understaffed we need to fill positions. We're overworking uh, um, some of the coaches and the overtime, for example. Um, but that would be that would be one. Um, what else? Uh, gosh, mind has gone a little bit blank there. I would, well, I'd, I'd say I, that would be the way.
3: I, I agree 100%. I think that's our biggest error is because we're in the customer service industry, when we're short-staffed, it puts a strain on everybody, and, and we need to fill the position, and, and if we make a hasty decision – it's much harder to let go of someone than it is to hire someone. So, you know, I think it's it's critical that you don't rush the process. And if we have to explain to our staff, hey, we've got a few months where we're all going to work a little extra, but I promise it'll be worth it. I think that's why. Sorry, sorry to jump in there, um, Simon. So my my thought of my process, my
2: thought uh, process came back to me. There, that's what that's what getting older does to you. Forget yeah, what you so. actually yeah. is. Um, I always encourage uh, leaders. Uh, you know, I work with college colleges as well. College coaches to keep a a, a backup list of possible uh, people that you would r- recruit or hire in the future. So you're, you're ready. You're scouting all the time of who would be good people to be on your team in the future. And even when somebody leaves, you would you might have a short list of possible people that that would be would be great candidates for that position. And you know, you might have seven or eight, and there might be one or two of those that are available that are looking for a ch- a, a change. Of scenery, which would be good, good hire. So you know, plan ahead. Have a short list of people that would be good fits for you. I always say to coaches and colleges, you know, when you play other schools, um, scout other, scout other assistant coaches and 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 people that could be possibly good fits uh, in the future. And you know, you never know if if you ask them, they might be uh, might be willing to come across.
1: I think that's good advice, and I think that the same thing goes with. I feel like we have the pipeline of the people that. Are going to be in our industry, in our classes, on our courts. Um, they're they're taking lessons today, and you capture that 16, 17 year seventeen-year-old sharp one. He might be the person that in a few years will be uh, you know working for you, and then be in your chair in ten years. So hundred percent. That's the pipeline. Yeah, that like you're mentioning as well. Just keep your, keep it keep your eyes and ears open. So how do we summarize this? How do we knock this down? Are there um, kind of maybe? three takeaways, if I said, as I'm teaching my directors of racket sports students at UF, what they need to know um, to be good leaders, as we've experienced Being a good coach is, is great. That's a nice skill, but that's not what we're trying for and needing in this realm. So what, what would you say are your top three, um, you know, important aspects that a, that a budding leader needs to work toward uh, learning?
2: Yeah, I like to call it about getting into the lab. Uh, Lab. So the first one is listening, uh, which we've touched on as well as be a great listener. Um, A great communicator is a better listener. I like to call it the, and this was in my first book, Seven Keys to Being a Great Coach, an 80-20 communicator. And it's listening 80% of the time and talking 20% of the time. And just as a side note, a survey I did back in 2018 with 118 college students, uh, athletes, I asked them, what is your number one pet peeve in a coach? And number one was a coach that talks too much. (laughs) So, uh, you know, we we know that impactful coaches and leaders aren't always the most vocal. Uh, And this is something about leadership as well, is that, you know, you, you might be an introvert. You might be a quiet person. You can still be a great leader because leadership is, in essence, example. So that's the first one. So listening, number one. Number two is asking questions. Uh, for example, how are they as as a person, which is one of the most important questions is the care aspect um, how are they finding uh, how are they finding their their job uh, what can you do better as as a leader uh, what what can we make better in in our club for example so ask questions because that 's how you create buy in and that 's how you add value is that you include them and that 's something about this generation as well is that they want to be included in the decision making uh, instead of an old old fashioned do as I say, I'm the leader, I'm the manager. That's not going to work these days. So number one, listen. Number two, ask questions. And number three, the B stands for build relationships. Uh, you know, build relationships with your team, get to know them as people. It's always good to have maybe, uh, as we like to we call it in South Africa, a braai or a barbecue with some of your team, team members, uh, whatever it may be. But build that connection uh, with, with the people. I always say that people first. Um, so those would be the three things that I would I would say would be important.
1: Very good. L A B: Listen, ask, build. Alistair,
3: look, I, as you said earlier, we could talk about this for hours on end, but you've got something important to get to this afternoon, I am sure. So uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure, you know, listening and 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 diving into leadership. Um, it's my favorite topic to discuss. So uh, we really value you taking the time to talk with us today.
2: Thank you so much. Uh, again, it's been an honor and pleasure to, to be on the podcast with you bo- both. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. So uh, please keep up the great work.
1: Thank you. What a great discussion it's been. We thank Alistair for your guidance, your expertise to help the rackets industry build leaders who develop intentionality through tools such as you'll find in his books. I encourage you to pick up probably the most relevant of his books, uh, but they're all exceptional, uh, Lead with Purpose, Make an Impact, subtitled 44 Lessons in Effective Coaching and Leadership. Please provide comments to us on our webpage and get in touch with us on uh, LinkedIn or uh, Alistair, maybe on Twitter. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts on this topic, and any others you'd like us to discuss on Racket Fuel. We'll see you next time.
0: That's all for today, but we're not out of fuel. You can find more information and resources in our show notes and by visiting racketfuelpodcast.com. If you liked what you just heard, please subscribe and also leave a review, which helps other people join the mission to become stronger rackets leaders.
3: This podcast is a production of Athlete Plus the people, stories, and science behind elite athletes and teams. Athlete Plus is the official podcast network of the Institute for Coaching Excellence, a research, education, and outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. The Institute for Coaching Excellence offers various online certificate programs and degrees in partnership
1: with the Department of Sport Management.
3: Learn more today at coaching.hhp.ufl.edu.